Good evening. How are you guys? Now, see, we get an opportunity to meet in various rooms under this construction, so that you get a chance to see all of the church. I don't know if we can run anybody else out of any rooms, but uh, uh, Brother Benny had this idea tonight to, to meet in here. I think it's a pretty good idea. It's a pretty good-sized room, and we can keep it warm and, uh, and quiet, and sometimes in the entranceway there, it gets a little distracting. So uh, I want to have you open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6 tonight. We want to talk about some about money. How about that? I heard while I was gone that uh, that Robert taught on on money. So I haven't heard that message yet. So I, I don't know. But um, you know, money's mentioned more in the Bible than sickness. Uh, it's mentioned more than or than healing. It's mentioned more than just about any other subject in the Bible. And you know, if we think about it, it really does govern our lives. And uh, you know, how much we have or don't have does affect us every day. But let me ask you this question as we're getting started. Is uh, money a sin? No. Is having money a sin? No. Okay. Well, what, what part of money is a, is a sin? The love of money. You guys are sharp tonight for sure. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 tells us that. It says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And uh, I think that probably we've been made aware of that by different stories, des- testimonies that sometimes people just, just for the search of it, the sake of it, um, will do about anything to obtain money. And, you know, there's other things in this life that are, when you, put, when you define value, um, value just doesn't have to do with money alone. It has to do with the things that in our life, and so I think that's what's impossible, or, or that, that's what's um, uh, important in our life. Let me ask you this. When we talk about source of money, as you look around and you examine your finances, what is the source of your finances? Okay. Somebody else? Where do you get your, where do you get your money, your, your finances? Through work, okay, and he provides. Y'all are getting real quiet because you probably know it's a trick question. Uh, so, okay, so if you get a check from from work, that's great, and um, they write that check. But um, how come you're able to even get that that check, that that money, that paycheck? Okay, he gives us the ability to get wealth. I think he also gives us that um, the assurance when we have in our heart i believe a lot of times if people go looking for a job if you know they seem timid and afraid that they're going to lose that job or not get the job because of somebody else or whatever uh, i found that uh, that employers more apt to pick somebody else over you because you seem to be timid and afraid that if you're going to get it maybe you can't do a good job but if you feel very confident about it and how can you feel confident you can feel confident when you know who the source is god's your source i remember one time um, I was wanting to leave a job <laughs> in construction and the Lord had been dealing with us to go full-time into ministry and I was a little frustrated about some things and so I said, okay, it's time to go full-time in ministry. And, uh, and when I was saying that, there was just this little, in my, you know, down in your knower, in your, spe- in your spirit, that part that knows God was saying, it's kind of like laughing or like, yeah, right, you know, I mean, but we can kind of overlook that because it's that still, small voice. And so I kind of made a deal with God. I said, well, then, if it's not God's will, then let them give me a $2 an hour raise. And 
This was in 1976. So a $2 an hour raise in 1976 was a little bit more substantial than a $2 an hour raise today. But um, so I remember going and telling the guy that uh, our superintendent that, you know, I was, uh, I was giving him my two weeks notice. He said, well, why? I said, oh, uh, he said, I mean, what's, what's going on? I said, oh, just uh, some other things going on in my life that I'm going to do. And he said, well, we like your work. I said, well, that's great. I said, I, I like working here and, and just some different things. And so out of that conversation, I guess I was confident enough. Uh, we had got ourselves into a position financially out of debt that we knew that I didn't have to have the job in a sense and when you it's nice to know that you don't have to have a job the lord had been dealing with us for uh some time about going into ministry and so one of the things that we knew that we needed to do was to get out of out of debt when we first married sandy was working for the engineering uh department at southwestern bell she made very good money and i went to work for rock island railroad and became a control tower operator and worked uh extra board which i would work various other jobs and I would get their pay, so I made really good money. We never, we didn't go into ministry for money, and uh, but when we had that much money, and you're, you know, you first get married, there's a lot of things that you want because that's what you're used to having because your parents have them, right? So you know, I mean, you got to have a bedroom suit and washers and dryers and vacuum sweepers and new carpet for the house and living room sets and the whole furnishings, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. And cars, <laughs> not to mention a couple, a couple of cars. So, you know, um, when the Lord first spoke to me about that he wanted us to go into ministry full-time, I, I kind of chuckled. I, I did the laugh, and I thought, because I knew about uh, where we were in debt, and I thought, well, how's that going to happen? And so that was the question that the Lord wanted me to ask, how's that going to happen? And so he began to deal with me about getting out of debt, and uh, I thought, well, how in the world are we ever going to do this in such a short time? And um, he said, give, give your way out of debt. And I thought that sounded kind of strange. And uh, God's principles are not our principles. And I remember that Sandy and I, we began to, we began to give. And it, not only tithe, but, you know, an offering is something that's over and above your tithe. And uh, then almsgiving is something that you give to when you when you see a need and God lays it on your heart to meet that need, then you do it anonymously. And out of um, it had to be a very short span of time. Um, gosh, maybe eighteen months, two years at the most. We were in a position and we were out of debt. It's pretty amazing. And uh, in fact, I even quit working for Rock Island Railroad and went back into construction. And that was this construction job I was talking about. And so I thought, you know, hey. We're ready, you know. We, we got our ducks in a row. We're ready to go full time for Jesus, and but it wasn't quite what God. It wasn't His timing yet. So when I told the guy that, uh, he went away and uh, uh, come back up that afternoon. That was at our ten o'clock break, and at the uh, two o'clock break, he came back and so he said, well, "Let me talk to you again." I said, "Okay." So he said, um, "Well, let me just ask you this." He said, "Now, what is it you're going to do?" And I said, "Well, I, I sing in a in a gospel singing group." I said, "But we." We all speak, and I said, we, you know, and this, you know, it's real awkward. You're trying to tell this guy, he thinks you're nuts anyway. He's the superintendent of the job, and uh, he just, like, you're going to do what, you know? And I said, you know, we feel a call on our life. Each one of us preach, and so we feel like we're supposed to do that. And he goes, okay, well, that's good. He said, well, let me just, let me just throw this out there. He said, how does $2 an hour raise sound? <laughs> and I thought. I was, you know, and to myself, I said, well, that sounds like God. But I really got upset. I got mad. 
And he was, look, I mean, I, I guess he could read my face. He said, well, I mean, you know, uh, we can make, we'll, we'll work up from here, you know, like that. You know, I guess he could maybe read the frustration on my face. And I wasn't frustrated about the $2 an hour raise. I was frustrated that I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. But, uh, you know, out of that, though, I guess there's a certain air of confidence and assurance of not having to worry about having to have that and being a slave to, to a job. And I always, I'll never forget that because that's a, that's a good feeling to have. And, you know, and, and perhaps you've been debt-free. We've been debt-free many times. It's kind of like they say, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I've lost 20 pounds, oh, a number of times in my life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, different things happen in our life. But uh, money is, is, if we give a definition of it, the best I could give would be money is a resource, and it's provided by God to accomplish his purpose, to advance his kingdom. It's a resource provided by God. If you look at the other things, I mean, health really is a resource provided by God to help us to do what he wants us to do. All things that he gives to us are simply resources that he gives us, allows us to have, to, to be able to uh, function and help create, advance his kingdom better than what is being done. Uh, let me, what, if somebody was to come up to ask you or, or, and, and ask you this question, what is your greatest passion in life? What would you say if you stopped about and, and thought about it for a while? What is your great, greatest passion in life? Just think about that. Um, Paul writes to Timothy, and he tells him there in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so we can't afford to have those things in, in our life, and so we shouldn't have such a love, a drive for money, that it governs our life, that it makes, uh, that that's what, causes us to make certain decisions. You know, I, I've seen people have job offers in various other locations, but yet they felt the Lord, that, uh, you know, call, calling them or, or uh, that they were called to this church, and they just believed for something else, and God opened up a job for them, various things like that. I mean, when you know what God's will is in your life, when you really realize what, what brings you satisfaction and what uh, serving him then that's what makes a difference. That's what, that's what should govern our, our actions and our decisions in life. Um, just some little notes that I jotted down about 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, is that um, God's expectation is that nothing on earth occupies his place in our heart. He expects that there would be nothing that we would have or no one, no thing, no place that would occupy that place is supposed to be in, in our heart for him, and we're to give him, we're, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. You know, when, when you love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, then financial prosperity really becomes inevitable. And I want you to understand that. It just has to happen. It will happen. It does happen. It's inevitable whenever you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But, you know, but until you become a, a passionate kingdom pursuer. Can we say that? Kingdom pursuer? Some people might get confused about that, but, but about where God rules and reigns and all things in your life. When you become a passionate kingdom pursuer, then that's when things really do, signs follow those that believe. Because we believe in God, and we believe that he wants to advance us. We believe that he wants to uh, direct our path. We, want, we believe that he wants to bless us abundant, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. And, you know, there are so many things that are 
that, that money can't buy. And when we start to look at value, then when we see the things that money can't buy and we put that in perspective, I believe that's when God begins to get, he begins to smile. But I, I jotted this note down. But until you become a passionate kingdom pursuer and citizen, kingdom prosperity can never be appropriated into your life. And we want it to be appropriated into our life, but we have to be a passionate kingdom pursuer and to keep our eyes upon the Lord. And then God will bring about the finances into our life. Our passion, our focus, our pursuit, our worship uh, and honor must be toward the giver and not toward the gift. And God is the giver of all things. And he sees that, and, and we're to be like him. And so we are to become givers of love and of compassion and of the power of God and of the wisdom and knowledge of God. We're to be givers of those things because we're to be his hand and ex- we're to be an expression of him here on the face of the earth. So our passion, our focus, our pursuit, our worship and honor must be toward God, realizing that he is the giver of all things and honor him. I really believe that God wants to unleash his abundant wealth into each one of our lives. I've been praying seriously about this because of our, the, the finances of our church. And, you know, we look around, especially through this building situation, and we, we wonder, well, how is this ever going to happen? It doesn't seem like it seems like more goes out than comes in. And that's just the way that it seems like in, in all of our lives. I mean, there's, it seems like there's always too much month and not enough money. One person said, my take-home pay don't take me home. Um, you know, but that's the way that keeps us in the perspective that God is our source. But, you know, God wants people, he wants paymasters in the kingdom of God. He wants people that he can trust with enormous amounts of finances, and he knows that he can lavish them upon them and that they will still honor him in their regular giving, but also when, he, when there's an abundant need, he can call upon paymasters. See, there's, all of us are called to give. We're all to be that way. We all have a responsibility of, of giving of our, you know, of our best unto God, giving of our tithe and our offerings. But when we look at ministry gifts uh, or motiv- motivational gifts, there's a motivational gift that is a giver. There's organizers, there's uh, the exhorters, there's the mercies, there's uh, the teachers and, and uh, organizers, various other things like that. But one of those are, are givers. And God wants to, he wants to work through some people that are so passionate about him and passionate pursuers of the kingdom of God that he can, he can use them as paymasters. And he wants to lavish upon them an abundance of finances. I really believe that. You know, there's, they say, I heard this said a long time ago, that there are dreamers and there are dream makers. And I've always known that I'm a dreamer. <laughs> I've never been short or shy on, uh, on the dream. But along with that, God always brings dream makers. He always places those around to, to, to make it happen because of the fact that no one person can say, I did this. This is what I did. It's something that God does, and he does it through a group of people. Even in a marriage, there's the husband and the wife, and there's things that God will specifically tell the wife that he won't tell the husband so that the husband will know that he needs the wife, and vice versa, that the wife will know that she needs the husband so that they work hand-in-hand in in that union. God does the same thing in the church, and I believe God's calling some of you to be paymasters. I believe God wants to bless, not just like just bless, you know, and not 
bless and we think, oh, wow, that was a neat blessing or that was a good blessing or like you've had a really good blessing. But I mean like you've never seen before. I really believe it. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God will, will make or bring to the, the front, the forefront, paymasters for the kingdom of God. Because we've got a lot of stuff to do, not just, not just build an auditorium, not just fix this church up and, and maintain it to where that it can be a tool used for the kingdom, but, but more than that. Bob? I think there's a perfect example in the Bible of what you're saying. You know, Solomon uh, was, you know, God asked Solomon, what do you want? You know, it's just like an open check or whatever. And he said, I want wisdom. You know, he wanted God's wisdom to, uh, mm-hmm. to lead his people. And God said, okay, I'll give you that. Dump a lot of money on you too. Yeah. Make you and that just furthers what he wanted to do. What got me thinking about this was the other night when we attended the Reinhardt Bunky con- uh, that conference that he had. That um, and that was probably to do that event. It was at least a million dollars uh, to do that to rent the facility for the equipment, the to do, to do what they needed to do. Uh, just even the the material the pup, to get the publishing and stuff that they did. And they did not receive an offering. How many of you went to that? I was totally shocked when they said, uh, we're not receiving an offering. We didn't come to receive an offering. And we want to give you something. And they, they handed out some things. I was totally shocked. I thought, well, did, uh, I didn't get to go both nights. Christian went. I said, did they receive an offering last night? No, they didn't do that. And they don't, they don't do that. Um, he did mention that there was one of the, the board members that were there that night who said that uh, helped with a sponsor a large portion of that uh, of that event, and I got to thinking about that. I thought, you know what? That's true. It's um, we would do be doing people an injustice if we didn't receive tithes and offerings to the church because of the fact that we have to learn to you have to give to, for God to be able to give back into your life. But yet, there's things that we should never have to even bring to the table. There's things that we should never even have to bring out to say we have this a substantial need for the church if, if there are paymasters in the church. And, when, and I believe that God, that God wants to do that. And so I started thinking about that, and, and I was asking the Lord, and he said, absolutely right. And so I started taking some notes, and this is what, another note that, that I jotted down, that he wants to unleash his abundant wealth into your life provided you start pursuing the right source and we think well you know okay i'm pursuing the right source but i think that it's like we got to go to another level you know when you you step into another level of service for god in the sense that you begin to believe to be this and 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 i thought well lord forgive me because i i haven't preached about that you know and i try not to preach a lot about money because i don't want people that come in to get that impression that that's all we talk about because that's the way it happens in a lot of churches or a lot of ministries, a lot of different things like that. It's this offering and that offering and this offering and that offering, and it seems like that we can't get out of there until we've just been fleeced, it seems like. And so I've, that's always bothered me, and I never really wanted that to be a focus. But yet I, I think I've failed to really teach and inform our congregation about a position of for you to believe to be to take that next position as a giver in a sense as a paymaster into the kingdom of God now that takes a level of faith to do that I mean believing for that degree of finances to come in but you know God can do it I mean we believe God for so many things what's the difference what's the difference in seeing God we saw we saw blind eyes open I went down for healing the other night uh, and um, 
I, because I had been experiencing some things in my stomach again, and God healed me. As I went down front to just, you know, to give praise to God, um, Daniel, who is one of his associates, what's Daniel's last name? Kalinda. Kalinda was coming through just letting people just give praise reports of what God did. And one guy said, uh, I was blind, but now I see. And he was standing about from me to Linda, and I looked over at him, and I could tell, you could tell, you know, a person that's been blind from birth, how that kind of there's just a difference in their face, their eye sockets or whatever. So he did, he, you could tell that, okay, yeah, this guy looks like. If I was going to look through, the, through a group of people and see who I thought was blind, I, that's who I would pick, you know. And so uh, Daniel said, what? And he said, yes, God touched my eyes. He said, can you see me? He said, yes. He said, so he, he, he said, now, and Daniel's probably, I'm six foot. He appeared to, Daniel's probably about six one, six two, something like that. And this was a real small guy. And so uh, as Daniel was coming to him, he had been bending down like, he had been talking to him like this because he was a short man. So he says, well, am I a, a big man or am I a small man? And he says, and so he just, the guy just reached out, he says, you're a big man. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, just the evidence that he could see, he could see how, and I thought, well, you know, What's the difference? We believe God for miracles like that. We've seen God do things, uh, especially in Africa and various things through health and healings that just, as we say, they're unbelievable, but yet they, they, they happen. Um, there's a level of faith I think that we need to get to, to, to say, okay, God, maybe I don't fit in here and I don't fit in there. I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there, but, you know, okay, you want me to be a paymaster? I'll believe for that. And so we take a step to that next level, and we believe God for it, and we begin to pursue that. And I think as we pursue God and as we are faithful over the few things, he begins to make us ruler over many things. And he, he tests us, he, even in our tithe, for individually. He says, try me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. A paymaster is something that's even over and above the tithes. It's something that, that God releases the uh, uh, amounts of, of finances into their their hands and they have wisdom to see that need and be able to expand that need to the for the kingdom of god um so i said okay god i need some notes here then if i'm going to teach this i need it i need some notes from you so um let me just share them with you wealth is a divine reaction to humans when their hearts of genuine love are preceded by heaven it's just a divine reaction when our hearts are genuine before God. It's just a divine reaction from heaven for God to just bless, to bless. God understands how important financial freedom uh, is to each one of us and will be to each one of our lives, to our families, to our relationships and our ministry. But he, he must first trust us and exercise and try our faith, I believe, in these areas and our faithfulness in these areas. So, you know, it's, instead of pursuing money, we've got to begin to pursue God. And that's what's awkward is if we say, okay, then I want to pursue this thing. God, I, I would love to be used like this in the kingdom of God. I'd love to be a paymaster for you, God. What happens then, in, again, anytime we begin to pursue something, it's so easy. It's like good and evil travel on parallel tracks. And Satan always usually brings his best before God's brings his best. And so pretty soon we get to pursuing the, the thing rather than the source. And the thing would be, of course, finances. If we were going to be a paymaster in the kingdom of God or to be a giver, then we would be pursuing that money to give because that's going to be what we're going to be doing, right? 
but we can never take our eyes off of God, the source. So he has to be the source, and when we continue to pursue him, then he's faithful in it. He's our source uh, for every good thing. Psalm 84.11 says that, that that, uh, all good things come from him. And, And... so I believe that we just need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help us to, uh, to correct our focus or maybe our lack of, of pursuit. You know, maybe we just never, it was never a revelation to us before that that's what really that God wants to use us for, that that's one of the main things God wants to use us for. You know, one of the ways that you can affirm what your gift is is when you do it, you feel, you, you feel good. I know we don't go by feeling, but it's a fulfillment you feel fulfilled when you do something like that. It's like satisfaction. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Rather than feeling, it's a satisfaction that happens. And it's just like, yes, that's, that's, that, was a right, that was right. That felt so right to do that. It might have hurt, but it felt so right to do it. It's a satisfaction that comes. And so that's where we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to correct our focus um, and to birth a, a, a holy desire for his kingdom and advancing his kingdom into our heart. So I I jotted down four keys to unleash financial breakthrough in each one of our lives, whether you're a paymaster or not, but especially as a paymaster. And the very first thing is, is that you got to know that God is your source. And that was the first question I asked. You got to know that God is your source. And that's our response and sometimes it's a conditioned response. If we've said under the word enough, we, we say that. But when things get tough, when financial situations get tough, do we really know that we know that we know that God is our source and that he will never fail? Uh, I didn't ask Charlie uh, about this, and sometime maybe he might want to share a testimony. But I watched Charlie and Nancy when they went out of the jewelry business and they sold their shop there and, and ended up having to do some things. Went through some very, very lean times, which I knew was very, very different from them, for them and, and difficult as well. But not once did I hear Charlie complain and not once did I hear him uh, not say, God's our source. God's going to take care of it. That's the way that we have to be in everything. In the good times, in the, the lean times, we have to always realize God's our source. It's coming. There might be a delay. Daniel prayed for 21 days. And the angel, when the angel finally got there, said, oh, God heard your prayer. You know, three weeks ago, way back there, God heard your prayer. But we've been engaged in warfare. We've been fighting. Until Gabriel came and helped and released me to come to you, I couldn't come to you. But God heard your prayer. So we've got to realize that God does hear our prayer. And then we just hang on and continue to declare that he is our source. We've got to understand that God is is our source, and he is the source for financial prosperity. Deuteronomy 8.18, you might want to jot that down. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. I think it's, that's a powerful verse. It says, but we've got to remember the Lord your God, and we remember him in our giving. As, as, uh, but we've got to remember him in all things. When things are difficult, remember that he's still God. It's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So producing wealth is, wealth can be a little different than money, but money goes along with wealth, right? Produce wealth, 
and then and so confirms his covenant and we know that that God's covenant and his calling his agreement with us in our life it's going to take money to produce that it's like an army an army has to have a mission that they have to to go on or they're just out here just doing nothing but also it takes a lot of money to run an army and so God's army he's called us as an army of believers to drive back darkness and it does take money to do that. It's just one of the things. But we shouldn't shy away from that. We should realize that it's something that God produces. His economy is different than this earthly economy. Because in his economy, it's like he looks at it like as the gardener. When you prune back and you go back to that, it, it helps to produce and drive forth. More fruit comes out where it's pruned back rather than going into all the weeds and everything. When we first bought our property, we've been there now 20 years uh, had a bunch of oak trees and they'd never been trimmed or nothing. All, none of the trees or anything around the, that place had been cut. We cut some down and got rid of a lot of weeds, but <clears throat> trimmed and pruned the trees back. And I noticed the next year a tremendous amount of growth in those trees. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, because I could tell our bedroom was in the second story and I could just tell the height that it was. And so as we continued to prune and, and keep them to where, you know, they say on a tree that the wind should blow through them so that when a hurricane comes, they don't act like an umbrella and just, yeah. you know, take them and pull them out. And um, as we pruned those trees, they actually grew more than when they weren't because it would all go into what they call the sucker roots or sucker branches and stuff like that. So we do need to, you know... God does prune us some so that we can bear much fruit. And sometimes there's, it, uh, it happens a lot. I know that uh, I feel like our ministry, this ministry of Light Christian Center, has been, we've, God's pruned us back until we're at a point where we're about to just launch forward and bring forth a lot of fruit. But it, he, he gives us the ability to produce wealth, and that, that confirms his covenant. When we produce wealth and when we exercise that and we, as we release that into his kingdom, that begins, that's a confirmation of his covenant. And, and, of course, it says there in Deuteronomy, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen, it says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way that you should go. He's the one that teaches us. He's the one that directs us. He is our source. We have to acknowledge that he is our source. No matter what we see, no matter what the difficult times are, no matter what the economy is, God is our source. Our trust, our expectation is in him. In James, the brother of Jesus writes this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He is our source. So the very first thing that we've got to know and acknowledge and keep in mind the whole time for financial freedom or to be used by God in finances is that God is my source. He is Jehovah uh, Jireh. And then the second thing is, is that we've got to believe that God delights in your prosperity. Some people think, well, you know, God's a, a mean God and I did this or I did that. So, you know, he's punishing me and this or that or whatever. No, God delights in your prosperity. It makes him happy when we prosper. If you look up the word prosper, you'll also see the word success. And what does it mean in the, the Bible word for prosper or success? It means to succeed in reaching an intended purpose. Well, the only intended purpose that we have is the purpose that God has intended for us to reach. 
And through that, he knows it's going to take finances. And, and through that, what he has to teach us is he has to teach us how to be givers. Because if we don't learn how to be a giver, we can never be, learn how to be like God. That's, you know, that's who he is. That's what he does. And so we need to be like him. You know, unless we believe that God wants us to prosper, if you don't believe that God wants you to prosper financially, then you're not going to activate your faith to believe for that. If you believe, and you really believe that God wants you to prosper, you'll release your faith in that area, and you'll begin to see it. You'll recognize it. And when you recognize the little and give God thanks for the little, he will increase that. And so you've got to believe that God delights in, in prospering you. Faith is the activator of the covenant promise of or for wealth. Faith is the activator of the covenant promises for wealth. God has promised that he would uh, bless his people. He would cause us to be wealthy. We're our heirs. We, we tie in with the, the, the covenant, the blessings of Abraham. And so he wants us to, to do that. In Psalm 112, the 112th Psalm and the first three verses, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord or reverences the God, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. He tells us right there, wealth and riches are in his house. That's in your house. In your house, when we believe for that, when we say, God delights in, in blessing me. God delights in fulfilling his promises in me. Therefore, I will acknowledge that. I'll believe for it. I will acknowledge it when it, when it happens. And the way that we acknowledge is that we tithe or we give offerings off of that and we sow back in. They say that, you know, whatever that you have in your hand, if it's not big enough to be your harvest, then it's got to be your seed, right? And if you don't, if it's your harvest, then that's what you keep. What you keep is your harvest. What you sow is your seed. So it's up to you. God leaves it up to us. To, to either sow, to sow and to reap. And so you look at it, and if you think that that's got, that, oh, I got to make it on this. This is what I got to make it. I got to, man, this is all I got, and I got to make it on this. And you're saying, that's my harvest, and that's all I'm going to ever get, and I got to make it on this because that's my harvest. Then that's where your faith is, and that will be your harvest. But if you look at it and say, oh, that's not my harvest. <laughs> no, that can't be my harvest because my source is bigger than that, so that's got to be my seed. So I'm going to sow it. And you, we know that in the natural realm, what you sow, it produces more. And we've just got to get that into our minds. I went to Oral Roberts University. Man, I, I, could, I can tell you in my sleep about seed faith. <laughs> God gave uh, Oral Roberts a, a, a vision about seed faith giving. And some of you in that, in that generation, you remember when he brought that to the body of Christ. And it's been abused. Yes, it has, it has been. But, um, you know, the principle, the truth is the truth is the seed when you sow it into the ground it produces something it produces a fruit that comes back and it's the same way that god says you give and it will be given back to you pressed down shaken together running over he'll cause men to give into your bosom into your lap and it works job who had everything taken away in the 36th chapter of Job, when he's getting way over into the, his story now, verse 11 says, If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. Wow. 
I'm kind of getting to that, that age right there that that's kind of, you know, that's that next stepping over into the spending the rest of your days type of uh, era, you know. But it says, if they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. Psalm 35, 27 says, May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they, be, may they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servants. He delights in the well-being of, of his servants, the well-being, the prosperity the, of, of the blessing of his servants. God delights in that. If you want to make God happy, then prosper. <laughs> prosper. Believe that you're going to prosper. And, you know, when it looks like that you can't prosper, believe. Say, ah, but in the midst of this, watch, I'm, I'm going to prosper in this anyway. Where it looks like that there's no chance of that happening, I'm, it's going to happen. Charlie, what did you used to say? I have more money than I can spend. <laughs> I said, how you doing, Charlie? I got more money than I can spend. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to cut down your spending so that you'll have more money than you can spend. <laughs> but that's still a true statement. <laughs> it's still a true statement, and it's a faith declaration. I have more money than I can spend, and it's coming, it's coming in. It's coming in. You know, so until it gets there, maybe we might not be spending what we don't have, but we're going to have more than what we, what we can spend. God is our reason uh, for living, not money. Money is not the reason for living. It's, you're not alive and you don't have a certain talent so that you can go and bring, make money. You are alive. You, make, you, are, you are alive because God created you and he's blessed you and he's called you. He's anointed you. He has purpose for you. And so the third key to, for freedom, for financial freedom and, and prosperity in our life is make God your greatest passion in life. Make God your greatest passion in life. If you wrote down, like, what is, what's, your, what are, what's your passion in life and what's your greatest passion in life, we might be conditioned to, to say God, but we ought to really, from our hearts, say, really say, God really is my passion. Serving him. And seeing people brought into the kingdom of God, that's my passion. When we walked out of the um, soccer stadium, that Compass uh, Arena, there was a man uh, on, that, uh, on the street. He had a bullhorn, and he was saying something about, you know, you need to hate your life and repent. You need to, you know, hate uh, such and such enough that you repent and, and all this stuff. Like, what? Wait. And there was... Sandy and different ones that were with us. I said, "Wait a minute! I want to hear what he's saying." And because I thought, well, if he was just mumbling something about, you know, demonic this or whatever, I didn't give him time. But he began to assault the prophet of God, Reinhard Bunky, who just had preached, and people had gotten saved, people had got healed. And they showed pictures from Africa. Seventy-three million people have been saved under his ministry. I'm sorry, I couldn't stand still. I went to the man that had the microphone. And I prayed that the Lord would help me just keep my hands in my pocket. Because <laughs> I wanted to lay hands on him. It wasn't for prayer. And I said, uh, I, I don't, I'm not real sure exactly what I did say. But I said, Are, did you even hear what went on in, in there tonight? And he kind of stopped talking for a second. You know, and there was, I don't know how many people were around. I wasn't paying any attention to that. It just, I thought uh, the scripture where it says, um, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. I said, Reinhardt Bunky is anointed of God. And I said, he's preaching the gospel truth. And 73 million people have been saved under his ministry. What are you doing? What are you doing? And he just 
Oh, 73 million people were saved in there tonight? I said, no, I didn't say 73 million people were saved tonight. I said, 73 million people have been saved by his under his ministry. And so he started to say something else, and I just walked off. But I thought, you know, I'm sorry. I can't let that go. You know, this man, he's assaulting someone of the kingdom of God who is doing great things for the kingdom of God. I believe that Reinhard Bunke right now is called to be evangelist. I mean, he's of this generation. It's sad that... You know, you can have 500,000 people, 1,500,000 people, 2 million some odd hundred thousand, up to 4 million people in certain crusades in Africa, but, you know, in, here in America, maybe 12,000, you know. And we're too smart. We're too smart for it. That's right. We got it. We've already heard that message. We've already heard that message. And, he, you know, and I get to think, well, you know, he just preaches a salvation message. And, you know, well, he just preaches a salvation message. <laughs> one word of the gospel is worth hearing one word uh, because I mean I'm saying that because I've heard people say that well he just preaches a salvation message you know I want more depth I want to tell you the way though he, he brings it you, you can't if you are hungry for the word of God if you love God whatever message that comes from his word is going to throw your heart make God your passion in life that, that's, that's who that's who you live for. That, you know, he ought to be who we live for, why we're alive, why we do what we do. Mark chapter 6, 33, you've heard this many times. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient you will eat the best from the land. Now, did you catch that? If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. So I ask you tonight, are you willing? Are you obedient? When you're faithful over a few things, he makes you a ruler over many things. And then the fourth thing, fourth key to this of uh, really becoming financially free, learning how to be uh, um, obedient to God, pleasing to God, the delight of his, of his heart uh, to be financially free is to become a passionate sower. When we, we need to, each one of us, whether you're a paymaster or not, it, the, the principle of sowing and reaping works. And we need to become a passionate sower, thrilled to be able to sow seed into the kingdom of God. It produces a, a results. It produces a harvest. Um, it's, a, it's a divine principle, the sowing and reaping is. That when you release what is in your hands, God will release what's in his hands. That's just the way it is. God waits. He said, you come, to, come near to me, I'll come near to you. And in the sense of giving, when we release what's, what's in our hands, God then releases what's in his hands. And I guarantee you, what's in his hands are a whole lot bigger than our hands. Luke chapter 6 and verse 8, I shared that a while ago. But let me read it to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the, the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it all depends upon us. We use a little a spoon to measure with, and God uses a spoon to give back. We use a front-end loader to give to God. 
he uses a front end loader to give back to us. You know, it, the same measure will be measured back to us. Our willingness to give is a continuous test of our trust in God. So, you know, we need to think about that. Your willingness to give is a continuous test of your trust in God. God commands giving to expose greediness and lack of trust. Those are hard words. You know, we would never examine ourselves and say, well, I'm not greedy. But yet, what is it that keeps us there? What holds us back? Satan wants to hold us back from God's best, and God can't get his best to us until we follow his principles. And it's not harsh. It's good. And it, it might seem like that, yes, it's a pruning back, but yet it's a, it's a launching forward because God always blesses. So our willingness to give freely confirms that uh, in God we trust, just like our money says, in God we trust, and that we're not trusting in money. Because, see, our lack of giving freely is saying, oh, I really don't trust that God's going to give this back to me. We give, and when they say, you know, grudgingly, or when the Bible says God loves a a cheerful giver, and I always say, but he'll receive from a grouch. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't say that. I just added it. (laughs) And, uh, but when it says God loves a cheerful giver, it means one who is passionate about giving because it's saying that we trust God. And our lack of giving really evidences a lack of trust in God. And so we have to come back to that. Who, Who do we really trust? Who is our source? Who is our source? Now, who, who do we, who do we uh, look to in times of trouble or difficulty? So your willingness to give freely confirms that God is the one that you trust and it's not money that you trust in. Step up your giving commitments. Just try it. See, there's a time in our life when we had some needs. So we began to give the amount that we expected to receive. And, and it was a while, but we began to receive what we had been given. You know, we would tithe. What, we would tithe what we expected to get back. And tithe what you expected to get back. And, you know, it works. It does work. Step up your giving com- commitments. Begin to tithe and give in offerings when it comes. And do it. Say, God, here we go. Here we go. This is another chance. People go to Vegas. And I used to, Sandy, when she worked for Continental Airlines, they, they used to have a lot of the conferences there because it was cheap. They could get the rooms cheap. And so I'd go with her, and then they'd have events or something at night, you know, different things. But uh, So I'd be working up the room. Well, I'd take, go down every, about every two hours and walk. So I, they, most every hotel, uh, every restaurant, jack-in-the-box, subway, everything has slot machines in it. If you've been out to, to Las Vegas, you can't go anywhere without hearing that ding ling 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 you know, that ringing. And so I'd walk through there and I'd look. With people had such expectation, they'd be just dropping money, or they have you know these cards that they put in and just just push buttons and it's just just like they're mesmerized. This expectation that they're going to get something back from that. That was their expectation, or that there was such a thrill that they got out of being able to do that, you know, and giving, thinking, and I'm going to get something back. And if it would hit and they get a little bit back, then <gasps> and there's just enough to keep them going so they could give some more, you know. And but as but I watched the movie a long time ago. I think it was Frank Sinatra and him talked about that the house always wins. So that was good enough for me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, the Bible says that God will react favorably to your sacrifice of giving. He reacts favorably. 
That's what touches his heart. And Malachi chapter 3, in case you haven't heard this for a while, let me share it with you. And I'll never forget when God challenged me to preach this in Africa, and I refused because I thought it was just me. That morning when I got up, we were in Africa, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to share today? And he said, share um, in Malachi about tithes and offerings. And I thought, that can't be right for here. These people don't have enough money for any. They can't hardly buy food, you know, and, and they're starving to death. This is not what they need to hear. They need to hear something else. They need to be encouraged, you know, all this, giving God all these reasons. I know y'all don't argue with God, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> it was, I'm just hard-headed, I guess. And um, that particular day, you know, people come and they stay because they come from a long ways and they walk in and, and some of them walk, you know, many miles to come to, to, just, to just to hear the word. And um, so I thought, well, we'll begin to just take some questions. I preached, and so then they're like, well, we want more. And I was thinking, okay, well, uh, let's take a break or something, you know. And so, no, no, we want to hear more. So, okay, well, let's just have some questions and answers. Just ask whatever. We'll, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about the Bible. We talked about creation. We talked about, you know, we went from the beginning and, and talked about everything. We talked about rapture. We talked about baptism and infilling of the Holy Spirit and everything. And came, this one question came up, and, and this guy raises his hand. He says, will you tell us about tithing? And it's like the Holy Spirit said, now, if you'd have ta- done that six hours ago, you wouldn't have to be standing here right now. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And I said, really? And I said, well, what is it that you want to know about tithing? Well, we don't know. You know, some people, they talk about, you know, they'll, like if, if their neighbor's in need and they need, you know, a chicken or some tomatoes or something, that we'll give that to them. Or, but if, or, you know, if we, where are we supposed to give our, you know, our tithe and what's the difference in a tithe and an offering and all this stuff? And, and then all these people start answering, asking these questions. And I go, Okay. I said, well, let's look at Malachi 3. And they were so excited. I thought, I can't believe this. I've never asked anybody to turn to Malachi 3, and they've been excited before. (laughs) I know I'm not in America, you know. We're not in Kansas anymore, I can tell you that. So Malachi 3, just simply looking at it, it says, bring the whole tithe, all of it, not a part of it, not some that you give to this and that and this and that. And, and I helped over here and I helped my, in this really ne- this good need. And I helped my neighbor here and I helped my, my kids this way and all that. So that and what I have left over of my tithe, it says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse <clears throat> that there may be food in my house or provision in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. He qualifies his name there on this giving aspect as the Lord Almighty. I mean, he's not messing around. He says, I'm the Lord Almighty on this thing. I will do what I will do. And he says, you test me in this. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Your seed is a picture, then, of your faith in God. Basically, what you sow is a picture of your faith in God. But I went on to read about 
that if you don't do this, there's, or that there's a curse upon you. Before this, it says there's a curse. And they say, well, why is there a curse? Because you've, you've robbed God. Lord, how have we robbed you, God? He says, by not giving. And so, I mean, their, face became, their faces became very somber. And they said, and when I finished down to that verse 12, after talking about the curse, they said, we need to pray now. Will you pray over us now? Break this curse off of us now. And I'm not talking about the preachers around. I'm talking about the people. They said, and they were desperate. Pray for us now. Pray for us now. Get this curse off of us now. And boy, we began to pray and, and bound that, that thing. Because, and it was, an, it was a thing of ignorance. So you think, well, God looks beyond that. Wouldn't God look beyond that just because they didn't know any better? No. Principles are principles. Gravity is gravity. I don't care how high you can jump, how good an athlete you are. If you fall from 40 feet, it's going to hurt you probably just as much as it's going to hurt me. <laughs> you know, because there's a law of gravity. And so we broke that thing and we taught the word. And they said, we need to give now. <laughs> we need to give now. We want to give now. And so I asked the pastor, well, put out a basket to give. And I said, and so... And, and so they were like wanting to give to, to me. I said, no, you don't give. The tithe doesn't come to me. The tithe comes to this church, this local church that's here. And so you want to do that, you do that. And they gave. And I want to tell you something. Those people began to jump and laugh. Remember that, Sandy? And dance and laugh. They were happy. They were free. And I thought, my goodness. They got it. They got it. They, the churches over there are, are functioning better than our churches ever thought about functioning. Out of what? They don't have anything. They have nothing. But they learn a principle, and God says, I'll honor my principle. I go over there, I'm amazed at what they're able to do. And, I mean, they might, you know, I mean, the buildings and, and stuff, sometimes you see they start out with nothing. You know, one, one church there uh, started out under a tree, and then the next time we went back, they had built this huge, it was out of adobe bricks. They built their own bricks, but they said, God gave us the ability to do this, and they built this church. It was a big church for him, and they were happy about it. Wow. I thought, my goodness, my goodness. They caught the principle. They caught that principle. And those, that's, it doesn't matter what we have or what we don't have. God just wants us to be faithful. And that's why that, that I always jot down and I have it in my Bible, in the front of my Bibles, in various places, that your seed is a picture of your faith in God. The seed that you sow is a picture, it's a photograph of your faith in God. It's, it's how much you really do trust him. How much do we trust that he's going to supply our needs according to his riches and glory? Well, I think that if you'll follow those, you'll be set free in your finances. God will bless, but some of you will step, take some steps forward and... and God's, I believe God's calling some paymasters. I don't know who they are. I said, okay, God, who are they? <laughs> he said, they're my secret agents. <laughs> so uh, I don't know who they are, but hey, God wants to bless. I believe that, you know, there's, there's tremendous needs at this particular time. So when there's tremendous needs, God says that I'm going to, I'll bring tremendous blessings. And, and it starts out just by the little. Just by the little. I think that that morning after, after it was all over, the, the pastor of that particular church there counted up, and I think they ended up getting something like, by the time you figured it up in, a, in American money, it was like 12 or $15, you know. It wasn't very much at all. And it wasn't, really, it wasn't very much even at their standards, you know, from doing things. But that was what they had, and they gave what they had. And then they began to, if they, had, if they were farmers with their 
uh, they would sell their tomatoes. This one church there in Lita Market on top of the, the mountain, they raised enough uh, tomatoes. This was after a prophecy that the Lord worked through me. They raised enough tomatoes and sold enough tomatoes to build a church there. People came from all around. It was during a time when the food uh, was tremendous drought. So God blesses, and he loves to show himself strong. 